everyone and welcome back to the Football Trigger podcast. My name is Thomas Dunning and today I'm joined by my co-host Pierce McLaughlin. Hello Pierce. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well. On today's podcast we'll be reacting to last weekend's English Premier League and Scottish Premier League results uh, and at the end of the podcast Pierce will be giving a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. So we'll talk about a uh, last weekend's English Premier League results. So we'll start off on the Saturday, the 17th of February. So the results were uh, Brentford 1, Liverpool 4, Burnley 0, Arsenal 5, Fulham 1, Aston Villa 2, Newcastle United 2, Bournemouth 2, Nottingham Forest 2, West Ham United 0, Tottenham, two, uh, Tottenham 1, uh, Wolves 2, Man City 1, Chelsea 1, and then on Sunday, the 18th of February, there was two matches, and they were Sheffield United 0, Brighton 5, Luton Town 1, Man United 2. And then yesterday, eh, we had one match, and that finished Everton 1, Crystal Palace 1. So, Piers, we'll start off with which match you think stands out to you the most from last weekend. For me, um, I think the standout fixture for, for me was... The Burnley nil, Arsenal five. Um, we touched on it last week in the podcast where they dispatched uh, West Ham six 0 So that's now eleven goals back to back for Arsenal, and that's now five wins on the spin, beating Crystal Palace, not in the Forest, Liverpool, West Ham, and now Burnley. But to score eleven goals in two games consecutively, and the fact is they've got a, a variety of different goal scorers. Um, they just look a threat over the park. Um. And for me, they're just flexing their muscles at the moment. Um, and for me, they've got to be in in the shout for the title. And I think they mean business because it is getting to that latter stage of the season where we're now into the uh, European matches as well as obviously the latter end of the domestic campaign for a lot of the European leagues. Um, so for me, um, the Arsenal game in terms of like, the, the variety of the goals as well and the standard of the goals are, are superb. Um, uh, particularly Bakayo Saka's um, second goal where he just shifts on his right foot and I think that's now his um, fourth Premier League game he's scored in a row which is a, a record for Bakayo Saka considering he has been Arsenal standout player for the last couple of seasons. He's referred to as a star boy and I think he's proven that he is, um, he is the main man because he did go off the boil for a little while before Christmas. Um, I think he's now coming to the four, and you can see Arsenal have now picked up results. And it's uh, no coincidence that they um, both come hand in hand, um, and I think Arsenal are looking really strong at the moment. And you have to touch on the other game for me, and it's another 5-0 win, and it's uh, Brighton 5, Sheffield United 0. Sheffield United 0-0 at the time, and then I don't know if you've seen the challenge, Tom, but um, a reckless challenge from... Um, what's his face? Mason Colgate. What's his name? Mason Colgate. Mason Colgate on loan, Everton defender. Goes over the top and um, Carol Matoma is lucky not to have a serious injury because he, he plays later on in the match and gets two assists. Um, because the way he connected with the inside of his knee, you see it bending, that could easily have broke his leg um, and it could have been a career-ender injury. So I think Chris Wilder will be fuming with that sort of challenge because it was needless at the time because 
Sheffield United were still in the game at that point, and then they just—it was just a quite a comfortable victory in the end. And then, yeah, Brighton were all, uh, all over them, and um, they've picked up form because December was under a bit of pressure not too long ago. And um, for me, no, you've got to go with the two standout fixtures in terms of the, the high scoring, and uh, for me, they were the two standout for me. Yep, they were the two for me as well. Uh, Arsenal in, in particular, obviously. Uh, they won 6-0 last week against West Ham away from home. Then they played Burnley away from home and they won 5-0. So, I mean, Arsenal are in just hot form at the moment. You know, they're buying in the goals. They're keeping clean sheets. They're, in my opinion, they've got the best defence in the league. Uh, the two centre-backs, Saliba and Gabriel, I think are rock solid. Especially Saliba, I think he's unreal. I think he's amazing. Uh, so it's just all going well for Arsenal at the moment. Um, in my opinion, we've got the tail race between Arsenal, Man City and Liverpool. In my opinion, I'd say Arsenal the favourites to win the title, just based on the form they're in. And I just think defensively, you know, defence wins leagues is kind of that saying. Everyone, it's, it's been said over the years. And right now, Arsenal have a better defence than Liverpool Man City. So I'd say at the moment, Arsenal are the favourites to win the title for me. Uh, and the fact that they won five note weekend as well, um, just goes to show the brilliant form that they're in. Uh, I think they've still got to play Man City, Arsenal. So, uh, at the Etihad, uh, I'm not showing that games happen, but it should be fairly soon. So that'll be a massive match. Uh, you know that'll probably play. Uh, if whoever wins that match, well, that'll mean that the, the team that loses they'll be rolled out of the tail race. In my opinion, that's how big that match is. And then obviously, uh, the Sheffield United nil Brighton five match. Uh, once again, Sheffield United losing by five goals. Again, I think that's three matches are in a row at home that they've lost by five or more goals at home. Uh, you know, it's it's really really bad times for them at the moment. And uh, that challenge that they had from Mason Holgate, which was a it was a terrible challenge. It was. It was a straight sending off. I mean, he actually got booked at the start. The referee has to have to go to VAR uh, to and for him to change his mind. But it was a straight red card for me. It was it was a terrible challenge. Uh, but I was actually wanting to ask you, Pierce, about that about the fact that the the bottom two teams at the moment in the Premier League are Sheffield United and Burnley, uh, and it's safe to say that they've both struggled at the moment uh, this season. You know, uh, both also got beat five 0 at the weekend. Like, do you just think now it's it's harder for teams that get promoted from the championship to go into the Premier League? Do you think do you think it's just harder now for them to to compete in the Premier League? Luton Town are doing okay, but they are still fighting relegation as well. So basically, the question is: Do you just think it's hard now for teams to get promoted from the English Championship into the English Premier League? I do think so. Yeah, um, I think the step up in quality is just far too far too steep. Um, could you look at for example a team like like Norwich? They usually they're usually the roller coaster team, the yo-yo team. They're up because their team's too good for the championship. But then when they go to the Premier League, they're not good enough. And then when they go back down, they just want automatic promotion. So, and they're getting the parachute payments as well. So, I I think that helps a lot of teams in terms of surviving. But in terms of like if you're going up to the Premier League to try stay in the division and compete year after year. Um, I just don't think there's enough quality because there's a massive gap between Championship and Premier League and 
cl clubs need to invest a lot, hell of a lot of money. And sometimes when they do that, they overspend. And as you can see, like clubs in the past have then then gone out of business. For example, Portsmouth, they've had, they're now down in probably the third, uh, fourth, fourth, fifth, fifth tier. Um, yeah, Wigan have had financial struggles as well down in the lower leagues. Um, obviously Wimbledon in the past, yeah. That's just any of a few like, in terms of like, teams overspending to, to just to try to stay in the Premier League and it then affects them long term. So for me, there, it is a problem. Um, it needs to be addressed by the uh, the governing body, the, the Premier League, probably the, the FA, um, because there is a massive gap. Um, the Premier system does work in terms of like, teams have that dream where they can go from non-league all the way to Premier League. You've seen that through the Luton player. Um, this year he's played all the, all the divisions all the way up, which is an amazing achievement. But in terms of trying to maintain a division, if you want to go expansive, you're going to get picked off. Look at Burnley, for example. They're shitting far too many goals. They don't score enough goals. Um, but they play a nice brand of football. Um, and then you go the other way, Sheffield United. They're just not exciting to watch. And they're conceding far too many goals. And they don't have a Premier League goal scorer. Um, and then Luton, I think, they've got the spirit. They've got a few top quality players on their side. And they always look a threat. And they're always in matches. So, yeah. In terms of, I think Luton are probably the favourites to step my my opinion this year, but um, no, there is a massive gap between the Championship and the Premier League, and that probably needs to be addressed by the FA. Yeah, uh, I would. It's been on my mind for a while, but like I do now think that, um, you know, the step up from the Championship to the English Premier League is just it's just so much more difficult now. Um, you know. Yeah, I, I used to always think of it as I used to always think that the promoted teams had a good chance of having a good season in the Premier League uh, when they just get promoted because the season before, you know, they've won so many matches, you know, they, they go into the new season with confidence, thinking, oh, we're, we're used to winning, we've got that winning mentality, you know, we can just go into the Premier League and just kind of keep on winning, even though they probably won't have as good a season, but it's just not like that anymore. You know, these teams are coming up now. And they're just, they're already in a relegation battle from the first game of the season. You know, Burnley, their first game of the season, okay, they were playing Man City, but they got beat pretty comfortably. And you just kind of knew that, um, you know, that they were going to be in for a tough, tough season. Uh, and it's just Burnley and Sheffield United this season have been, it's, they found it really, really tough. Uh, you know, they're, they're just shipping so many goals. And uh, it's just... It, at the end of the day, I think it just comes down to the quality of players as well. Uh, you know, you know, Burnley and Sheffield United just don't have the the quality of players that the rest of kind of Premier League teams do. Uh, and for that, it just makes it much more difficult. And right now, uh, the t Leicester are running away in the English Championship. They look like they're going to get promoted back into the Premier League, and they probably will have that kind of season as well, where, where they come back up next season, they're just going to find it difficult. Uh, and they'll probably might end up probably being in the relegation battle uh, next season in, in the Premier League. So, uh, basically, yeah, I just find it is, it's getting much, much more difficult for me, for these promoted teams to get promoted into the English Premier League and basically stay in the Premier League for years to come because um, the quality is just widening each year between the English Championship and the English Premier League. So, yeah, I do think it is much more difficult. 
Uh, I just wanted to also uh, touch on Crystal Palace. So they've had a pretty busy week. Uh, so they played last night and drew 1 1. But we found out on Monday, uh, the 19th of February, that Roy Hodgson uh, announced that he'd be stepping down as Crystal Palace manager. Um, so he was last uh, Thursday, uh, Roy Hodgson took ill uh, during training at Crystal Palace. Um, there was reports just before that that he was going to get sacked, um, you know, and they had to cancel the press conference. Um, but that press conference obviously got cancelled because Roy Hawkson was taken ill and he had to go to hospital. Um, so uh, we found out yesterday that he was uh, stepping down and he just said that, you know, the club's it's very special to him and it means so much, much to him. Uh, and the reason for him stepping down is so they can bring forward their plans to appoint a new manager. So after Roy Hawkson stepped down, uh, we found out not that long later that Crystal Palace had appointed a uh, former Eintracht Frankfurt manager, Oliver Glasner. Uh, so he now joins uh, Crystal Palace's manager. He was in the stands last night to watch Crystal Palace play Everton. Um, so yeah, Roy Hodgson steps down. Oliver Glasner's the new manager of Crystal Palace. So Pierce, what do you think about, first of all, Roy Hodgson? Uh, and also, what do you think about Oliver Glasner? Yeah, I think we've got to touch on Roy Hodgson. Um, I think he's a legend of the game. Um, when you look at his CV, it's pretty extensive. Um, started off in Sweden, then he walks his way over to clubs like Inter Milan, where he managed uh, Roberto Carlos, for example. Um, and then obviously he's managed England, he managed Fulham to a, a Europa League final, um, where he lost um, to... Atletico Madrid uh, back in 2010 and then obviously he managed England managed Crystal Palace for this his second spell and he was only meant to come in as caretaker manager to manage Liverpool so he's managed some top sides and some national teams and clubs that far afield as well he's also managed in Japan as well um, so he's got a pretty extensive CV um, but I think his record speak for himself he's a, he's a really good manager um, and he, the way he conducts himself is um spot on. Um, I think he's, he's just a, a proper gentleman. Um, and I think as you've seen, he had a successful four year spell, uh, in his first spell with Crystal Palace, and then he came back because Patrick Vieira was going through a, a difficult time, and that was the back end of last season. And you've seen the, the run they went on. He was only meant to be going temporary charge, um, and then he then decided to stay on um beyond the summer which I think shocked a lot of people. But given the fact is the record and the run he was on and the previous spell he had, you thought, no-brainer, just keep him on. The experience, the puzzle then kick on the next season. It just hasn't really happened this season. And like you say, um, I think obviously he's, with his age as well, it's maybe a bit difficult, especially with his health and that. So I think it's probably the right time for him to step back and just enjoy, enjoy his life and take it easy for a bit. Because I think obviously we know the demands of a football manager, especially in the Premier League. You look at Jurgen Klopp, he's going to be stepping down in this season. It is a tough life, it's a tough gig. Um, but no, I think he's he's done a tremendous job at Crystal Palace. And then, uh, obviously, Robert Glasner. Um, I think a lot of Scottish football fans will know him very well from his time at Frankfurt, um, where he won the Europa League against Rangers uh, a couple of seasons ago. So he's got a European trophy in his belt. Um, 
And if you ever watched the Bundesliga, he had his side playing a really attractive attacking style of football. Um, it'll suit, I think it'll suit Crystal Palace pretty well because I'm pretty sure he played with wing-backs as well, so I think the backs will be quite solid. Um, full-backs bombing on, and then um, the aim is just to attack, 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 and I think we'll have that solidity with the three at the back and the two holding midfielders, and I think it will be an exciting appointment, um, and it'll be exciting to see what he will do with this Crystal Palace and how far he can take them and um, how he will adapt to life in the Premier League. Uh, yeah, so uh, obviously I'll just do with you. So obviously touching on Roy Hodgson, uh, you know, amazing career. Uh, you know, he's managed all over the world. Uh, a, a career that's lasted 40-odd years. Um, you know, just just a brilliant manager as well. You know, he's he's done he's done quite a lot in his career. Uh, and, you know, it was quite worrying to see what happened to him last week, the fact that he had to go to hospital because he was taken ill. Um. You know, so the, the news that he had stepped down wasn't surprising to me. Uh, and he's he's 76 years old now, so I highly doubt that he will probably be back in management. I, I'd imagine that he's probably now just going to retire uh, permanently. You know, he has said that before, but I, I do think this time he will. Uh, and I think he deserved to because he's had a brilliant career. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, he's, he's going to be missed because he's... An English Premier League legend, basically, you know, he's he's done a lot for English football. You know, he's managed the national team as well. Okay, that didn't go too well, but uh, the fact that he still did that is is amazing. So, yeah, uh, so for Roy Hodgson, he has all the respect for all the football fans, I think. And then, uh, yeah, it wasn't that too surprising him stepping down. And then, obviously, Oliver Glasner uh, getting appointed the new Crystal Palace manager. Uh, so this is going to be his first time uh, in the Premier League. You know, he's never managed the Premier League before, uh, only in Germany and Austria. Uh, I don't know, I didn't know too much about him, but on Monday Night Football last night, uh, Jesse March, who used to be the, the Salzburg and Leipzig manager, so he, he obviously knows a bit about him. He, he's went up against him in both Austria and Germany. Uh, and he was he explained very well the, the, the kind of idea that Oliver Glasner likes to play. So like they play this kind of three four three formation and their their front three players are very narrow and they play very close together, uh you know and they like to kind of really play direct and getting getting behind teams uh, as quick as they can, and also apparently he's really good tactically as well, so I think it's a interesting appointment for Crystal Palace, uh you know it's going to be interesting to see how he adapts to the Premier League, uh and you know. He's coming in at a time where Crystal Palace are probably fighting relegation at the moment. Uh, you know, they're missing their two best players and Olise and Eze. So um it's going to be interesting how he adapts and it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of sets up that that Crystal Palace team. Um so yeah, so it's going to be interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll probably discuss it a little bit more once Crystal Palace have the first few games. And we'll kind of see how uh, Oliver Glasner uh, started at, at Crystal Palace. So we'll now move on to last weekend's Scottish Premier League results. So on Saturday, 17th of February, the results were Aberdeen 2, Hibs 2, Celtic 1, Kilmarnock 1, Dundee 2, Ross County 0, Hearts 2, Motherwell 0, Limston 1, St Mirren 0, 
And then on Sunday, the 18th of February, we had one match, which was St Johnston nil, Rangers 3. So, Pierce, which match stands out to you the most? Well, I think it's got to be the biggest match um, in terms of the title race in the Scottish Premiership, and that's got to be the Celtic 1, Kilmarnock 1. Um, another performance for Celtic fail to make the most of the opportunities that are given to them. And again, another lackluster performance, far too slow and possessive. Um, and they're just not creating enough for chat. Enough clear cut chances in games to kill teams off, and at the back they just look a bit suspect. And I think the changes that Brendan Rodgers made, um, to his side made the side weaker, and the subs that you've seen Commander bring on Derek McInnes, they're game changers because it made them stronger, and they sniffed blood, and they had for a period of time in the second half they had. Um, Celtic pinned back and the press was I thought was really really good and they went after Celtic and they caused them some of the, pre- some of the problems um, and they got their just reward in the end where they nicked a late equaliser through um, David Watson um, pretty poor defence at the back post from Alexander Burnaby but a good goal none the, none the, uh, the least um, and it's a massive goal in this title race because on Sunday, that gave Rangers the momentum, which they went on and dispatched St Johnston pretty comfortably. Um, they got two penalties in the match, which were stonewall penalties. Um, Constant wiping. Um, uh, I think it was Demandy uh, out in the box, and then obviously a handball late on in the game. Um, and that's now Tavernier now level in goals with the historic Rangers captain John Gregg another formal achievement for him and yeah Rangers now two points clear at the top of the table so that's for me that's, that's the two of the standout and then obviously probably the biggest tie of the weekend would be the Aberdeen 2 Hibs 2 Pataudry. Um, some quality goals on show um, and you've seen moans and groans in the game after Hibs took the lead twice uh, took the lead early on through Martin Boyle and then obviously uh, Devlin gets a goal back. Um, and then obviously McGrath scores to put them 2-1 up. And then obviously Hibernian equalised later on in the game. And then obviously there's a, a massive appeal. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. It was discussed at length over the weekend on uh, Ref Watch and Sky Sports. That um, Hibs probably should have had a penalty. Probably fairly grieved by uh, Devlin. Moves his gestures, his arm towards the ball, which is then, good. which is then not picked up by the referee, and it's but it's the fact it's not recommended with VR. That's just another incident, um, which could be crucial in terms of that race for top four, top six, um. So the game ends in a draw, but again, we're always talking about refereeing or VAR decisions when there was a, a top quality match on show where two sides were going at it, hammer and toes. Um, and I thought it was another brilliant spectacle. So they three were the standout fixtures for me this weekend. Yep. Uh, my standout match from uh, this, like the results from last weekend's Scottish Premier League matches where it was the Rangers 3, St Johnston 0, and that's basically because that win for Rangers moved them top of the table. Uh, so just in terms of that, that match, uh, it, again, it was a pretty comfortable Rangers win. They didn't play too, I don't think they played that well, to be fair. Uh, but they managed to get the job done. Uh, they got two penalties in the match, and as you said, there were penalties. 
Uh, they scored a first. They, they scored a good first goal with uh, the new signing Diomande, um, and yet yeah, that match stands out even more because that moved Rangers two points clear at the top of the table, um, uh, and yeah, I don't think they've been top of the table in the league for quite a while, so uh, pretty significant. Uh, and on obviously, we've got a few. The reason that Rangers went two points clear was because Celtic dropped points on Saturday. Uh, they drew one one as I said against Kilmarnock and. Once again, it was a poor performance from Celtic. Um, you know, they did have chances in the match. Uh, they scored a good goal uh, in the first half with Kyogo. Um, but I don't think, to be fair, that Celtic really deserved to win the match because um, I thought Kamarnock created lots of chances. Joe Hart made some really good saves. Um, and Kamarnock scored in the last minute, which, in my opinion, was deserved because I thought that they were much more threatening in the match. Um, but there just seems to be a whole load of problems at Celtic at the moment. Um, and we're at the point now where I, I, well, I don't know, this is my opinion, but I, I think Ben Rogers is under pressure now. Um, you know, because he's come back to Celtic in his second spell. And I don't think Celtic have really improved at all this season. They haven't, they haven't really been on really consistent at all. You know, they had a really good seven-point lead at the top of the table. And that's now obviously gone because Rangers are now top of the table. So it's really interesting times for Celtic to see where they kind of go uh, and how they're going to, you know, salvage this two-point uh, deficit they've got between them and Rangers. Um, so, yeah, day two matches, pretty significant. And it's actually, it's actually quite exciting at the moment in the league. You know, we've got a real title race on our hand in Scotland. We haven't really seen a really good title race in Scotland for the last few years, um, but it really looks like that this title race is going to go right down to the wire uh, this season, which is, you know, really exciting. And I'm really looking forward to it, to see how it goes. And then obviously you just said about Aberdeen 2, Hibs 2. That was a really good match. Lots of lots of stuff happened in that match. Uh, you know, you were talking about the penalty, uh, the, the penalty appeal when Devlin looks like it did hit his hand. In my opinion, it did hit his arm. And I thought that should have been a penalty. But, um, yeah, that was a really good match. And they two teams aren't here in the top six in the league. Um, you know, you would think Aberdeen Hibs are should be third and fourth place, but they're not. Um, but it was a really good match. And, uh, yeah, that was really exciting. And I just wanted to briefly touch on uh, Limston once at Vernon Hill. That was Limston's first win in... A good, a good, good while. Uh, it's, been, it's definitely the first one in twenty twenty four in the league. Um, you know, a, a very much needed one. And Limston playing ex Ross County, who are only three points. There's only three points between them, and that is a humongous match. Uh, you know, if Ross County win that, then Limston are in deep trouble. But if Limston win that, then you know it's going to be. It's just so tight down there at the moment. Um, so yeah. That, that, that was quite a significant result for Livingston and they go into that match against Ross County next week and that's going to be massive. So, yeah, quite a, an interesting week in Scottish football. Uh, quite a few good significant results. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be exciting to see uh, where the league kind of leads to next. So, for the final part of the show, Pierce will now give his Asian football roundup. Yeah, so there's been quite a lot of um significant uh, news in the the uh, in South Korea, 
So Jurgen Klinsmann has been sacked as the head coach of South Korea national team um, after elimination at the hands of Jordan in the Asian Cup semi-final. And here's what the KFA president had to say on the matter. I'm Chung Myung-gyu, the president of the KFA. First of all, I'm very sorry for the great disappointment of many people, including the fans and players, as they did not meet the expectations at the Qatar Asian Cup. Um, after the Asian Cup, the association conducted an overall analysis and evaluation of the national team's participation in the Games. The association held a discussion committee meeting yesterday and the executives of the association executive branch were briefed on these reports and garnered their opinions this morning. Um, at this meeting, the evaluation of the national team coach was mainly discussed. After comprehensively reviewing the discussion, the KFA finally decided to replace the national team coach so Clinton failed to show the leadership we expect from the Korean national team coach, such as game management, work and work attitude that bring out the competitiveness of the national team. So Jürgen Clinton posted a message on his social media accounts saying, To all players, my coaching staff and all Korean football fans, with sincere gra con uh, gratitude, thank you so much for all of your support, taking us to the semi-final of the Asian Cup, an incredible journey over the last 12 months with not losing 13 games in a row. Keep on fighting. Uh, throughout his tenure, Klinsman uh, was often criticised for mostly working in Los Angeles, where he resides with his family. Despite having said he would spend um, time in South Korea, Klinsman's popularity in Korea nosedived during the Asian Cup, with many criticised his attitude after he was seen smiling despite poor performances and defeats. His leadership was also called into question after an altercation between players on the eve of the semi-final left the captain, Son Heung-min, with a dislocated finger. Um, Klinsman replaced Paulo Bento as South Korea's coach after the team's loss to Brazil in the 2022 Qatar World Cup, round of 16. He got off to a difficult start as a South Korea manager, um, he went five games without a win, losing to Uruguay and Peru and being held by Colombia, El Salvador and Wales. Their form improved before the Asian Cup with six straight victories and despite some poor performances in Qatar, they made it all the way to the semi-finals where they were unable to register a shot on target. The KFA planned to appoint a domestic manager before the end of February. Um, candidates mentioned include Choi Young-soo, Kim Ki-dong and Hyung Mung-bo. So in terms of Hong Mung-bo, um, has experience coaching national teams at all levels, including the 2014 um, South Korea uh, World, uh, the World Cup team, um, and has looked at a possessing a strong command of the team. Um, he's also the reigning champion coach, having won the K-League the last two seasons with Ulsan HD. There could be complications with his commitment as the coach of Ulsan HD, and we need permission from Ulsan to take on the national post. In terms of Choi Young-soo, he has had a pepper success in the K-League, um, currently does not have an affiliated team, which makes him an attractive candidate, but the fact he has no experience coaching the national team is considered um, an obstacle at the moment. And then also lastly, we've got Kim Ki-dong, who's considered as many um, the best coaches in the K-League. Um, his tactical acumen Dynamic football has been hailed in all corners. Um, nevertheless, he just arrived at FC Seoul this past December and would need permission from the club to take the post. Which of these coaches will be the next to take the helm? We'll find out in due course and we've got you covered here at Football Trigger.
So there's also been a bust up um in South Korea between two players as aforementioned, um Lee Kang In and Son Hyun Min. So the national team players usually have a team dinner together in terms of bonding experience before the eve of a match, um to strengthen unity amongst the the squad. However, the day before the Jordan match, young players including Lee Kang In, So Young Woo and Jong Woo Young ate early and played table tennis. They played table tennis noisily next to other players whilst they were eating. Um, Son tried to stop them, but they did not listen. Um, Son got angry and grabbed Lee Kang In by the collar, and Lee swung his fist at Son Hyun Min. Son dodged his fist but injured his finger while other players tried to stop the other two players. Senior players, including Son, asked Jurgen Klinsman to exclude Lee Kang In from the matchday squad for the match against Jordan as they disrupted the team atmosphere, but Klinsman did not accept this. So Lee Kang In is now probably enemy number one in South Korea uh, because of these allegations that he was the culprit for disrupting Korea's preparations in the wake of the semi-final match against Jordan. So the KFA have received uh, petitions demanding the lifetime ban of Lee Kang In from the national team of South Korea due to his disrespectful slash uh, disrespectful uh, conduct to Son Hyun Min. And Lee Kang In's social media has been left with thousands of vile comments threatening his life and just appalling behaviour. Um, lots of South Koreans are now flogging their Lee Kang In football jerseys whether that be for South Korea, PSG or Real Mallorca. Again, I find this difficult to comprehend and I, for one, will be keeping my PSG leaking in away shot. Sponsorships and endorsements are also um, being now nullified with um, leaking in. They've all been pulled following public um, outcry. These companies are Arachi Chicken, KT and Nexon. Lee may face a hefty lawsuit for damages from advertisers with the potential penalty amounting to billions of Korean won. So Lee Kang-in posted on his Instagram story his reply and apology to the recent events. Hello, I'm Lee Kang-in. An article was reported that I had an argument with Son Hyun min ahead of the semi-finals of the Asian Cup. I am very disappointed for the soccer fans who always support our national team. I am so sorry. I should have taken the lead and followed my brothers well but I'm just sorry to show the soccer fans a bad side. I apologise to a lot of people who would have been disappointed in me. I'm well aware of the interest and expectations that soccer fans send me. From now on, I will try to help my brothers and become a better player and a better person. So Lee king also refutes claims that he swung a fist at captain Son Hyun Min. We have to forget Lee king is just turned 23 years old, a young man who's going to make mistakes but to try to get him banned for life by South Korea, which is crazy, as he was the only player from the South Korean national team that was named in the Asian Cup team of the tournament. He was South Korea's standout player. These so-called fans of South Korea have gone way over the top by getting the sponsorship cancelled, leaving vile comments slash death threats, selling their jerseys and petitioned to get him permanently banned from the national team. I think it's ludicrous considering a full-on investigation needs to happen to know all the facts and details and as we know, footballs deal with pressure situations and they can happen in elite sports, especially at the business end of a tournament. And also, Klinsman wasn't the right man for the job and the KFA are trying to avoid any blame in his hiring. So Lee kang has my full backing and proper football fans will forgive and forget. And that's all your latest Asian football news.
Thank you, Pierce. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Football Tribute podcast. This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Tribute YouTube channel and also the Football Tribute website. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye-bye.